This episode of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. If you have pets and you'd like to give them the very best, head over to Petco.com. And for any purchases that are $65 or more, you can save 10% off your purchase and also receive free shipping if you use the code Gundam or if you go to Petco.com slash Gundam. For any purchases that are under $65, you can save 10% just by going to Petco.com slash Gundam10 or you can use the code Gundam10 during your purchase. Like me, the majority of you guys out there have pets. Well, if you're looking for food, supplies, and even treats and toys for your pets, the best place to go is Petco. Next call. Hello, planet Earth. Let me introduce myself. I'm the meteor that's about to bust your planet's ass. I just can't believe it. Gundam called us. Like, like, I just think like, out of the blue. Hey, like, guys. I'm not what? playing games here, you know. Yeah. I'm on a collision course here. I'm about to end life as you know it on your damn planet. It's just so cool. I mean, <laughs> I two years ago with Gundam. It's just like, us? yeah, I think I'll call us the phone Did you say Gundam? Yeah, dude. Uh, Gundam. Just called us a second ago. Wow, these. Gundam. Playing tonight? Yeah, Gundam. Playing at Mount Rushmore. It's gonna hey, rock. Can you guys get tickets? Probably. We're, we're pretty tight with Gundam now. Yeah, uh, what are you calling about? Did you have a question? Oh, uh, uh, no, uh, no question. Uh, I'll, I'll call back. Uh, I have a big decision to make. Okay, oh, cool. Later, 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 man. Alright, everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. This is episode 35. In this episode, we're going to be having some, we're going to be going doing two topics. Uh, first one being an anime spotlight of a Tamino classic, which is uh, Or Battler Dunbine. And the second topic is going to be a kind of a freeform discussion of loser villains of various mecha series. I'm sure we left out a couple of them, or I'm sure some of our fans out there have some favorites of their own so always um you know let's continue this discussion on the old mecha talk forum but um, i'm always joined here with Soulbro and chris how you guys doing doing great um hopefully we can keep chris on because there's lots of minoski particles at the battle density down there in south florida so um to keep this kind of going i'm going to go into some of neo's news i'm actually going to be doing uh, a couple of listener submitted news articles and, and once again i always thank everybody for taking their time to uh, submitting these and you know, don't don't feel bad if yours isn't picked. Um, you know, we have time constraints here, and we try to keep things flowing. So, um, you know, just um, you know, don't th- don't get discouraged, and you know, keep submitting things that you uh, you know may feel be appropriate. But um, the first one we have here is actually from one of our uh, posters, uh, Furious Rodimus, and this is actually courtesy of the Anime News Network. And lo and behold, man, Bandai did it once again. Oops, they did it again. Oh no. Yes. I know a couple months ago there were some Bandai releases that had some play problems with the DVDs, meaning I guess they couldn't play them or whatever. Well, luckily this time Bandai was able to uh, find out this problem before things were released. Thank goodness. And so Bandai Entertainment's notified a lot of retailers that the regular and special versions of the first volume of, get this, this is what makes it really funny, Mobile Suit Gundam 00 have been delayed from June 6th to, to July 22nd. Uh, the company cited a slight manufacturing error that is being corrected before release. Uh, earlier in June, they had the t- uh, two-disc Kurokokama, the animation part one bundle that had um, it was uh, going from 
supposed to be released on June 16th, but it's now to a date to be announced. And Freedom Complete Collection, which was supposed to be released on July 7th, to also a date to be announced. So luckily this what time... Problems with Bandai DVDs? I'm shocked. Simply shocked. Well, <laughs> luckily this time they, they found it before um, you know they actually sent them out to everybody. So... You know, and it, and it's sad for you know fans of Curry Kama and Freedom that they really don't know what date it is. But all those fans of Gundam Double O Number One, it's going to be uh, July twenty first instead of June sixteenth. So right. I don't well, know. Like I said earlier, better that they discover this before you get it home with it, unwrap it, put it in, and then oh, it doesn't yeah. want to play. Especially for the first volume of a series, that's that would be that would be really bad. Yeah. So. Like we said, you know, there's not much more you could say on that. Going to another listener-submitted news article here. This is from one of our friends, uh, Snoops619. Hey. And at the London Expo in May, there was some... Uh, this is actually for most of our UK Gundam listeners. Uh, there's been a lot of great uh, announcements for some of your favorite um, animes that are going to be coming out in the UK. Kogias Lucha of the Rebellion will be in quarter three of 2009. Gurren Lagann is going to be released there in July of 2009, along with Double O. Sword of the Stranger, the theatrical, and the Blu-ray releases are going to be in September and October. Afro Samurai Series 1 and the Resurrection film will be in June and July of 2009. Uh, they're going to be getting uh, Ghost in the Shell 2.0 in October, along with the Ghost in the Shell Innocence movie in October of 2009. So there's quite a few different things in here. I, I didn't realize that they didn't, you know, how this stuff is released. You know, there, it's even come to the point where um, some older shows like Samurai Deeper Kyo, <laughs> July of 2009. It's like, wow. What? Yeah. But I'm sure that's dealing with licensing issues and stuff like that. Yeah. And Nerdist Ship It In is going to be in early 2010. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood's July of this year. And then the DVD with the English dub is going to be February, March of 2010. And uh, Genesis of the Aquarion will be 2000, November of 2009. So all of our um, UK fans, it looks like you got a lot of stuff to catch up on. So got a full uh, slate, man. <laughs> cheerio. Exactly. I guess the European market sucks for anime as much as it does for video games. Ouch. <clears throat> It, they got I'm, a sure, roof, man. I'm sure it's probably part of that, but it, it, I, I would imagine, too, I mean, I don't know too much about it, but I'm sure some of it might be a part of the EU. That they, they can be very difficult when it comes to certain things that I've... Plus like, the fact that you have so many languages that need to be crammed in exactly to a release. It's not as simple as English or Japanese or yeah. Spanish. I mean, you have so many different languages out there. Yeah. That, exactly. I imagine, is, is quite a headache. Definitely. This is uh, a, another listener submitted news article, and this is from our friend uh, Vent Noir, and this is some gaming news. And, and this is coming from the Super Robot War uh, Forum, and this is from the Famitsu Magazine in May 13th of 2009. There's going to be, imagine this, a new Super Robot War game coming out oh, man, for the DS. Game? Super Robot Ga- Gaiken, and it's... Release date's tentatively for fall of 2009. It's about 90, 90% complete. And hold on to your shoes here. This is the lineup in this. Hit us up. Mazenkaiser. Oh. Mazenkaiser Death. Shingeta Robo Armageddon. Full Metal Panic. Full Metal Panic Fumofu. Full Metal Panic The Second Raid. Endless Waltz. Gundam Seed. Gundam Seed Astray. Gundam X Astray. Nadesco Prince of Darkness. Boo. Oh. Uh, Galaga... <laughs> Gal Gygar, Gal Gygar Final, Steel Gord Jig, Seed Destiny, Overman King Gainer, mm. Seed CE73 Stargazer, Fafner Dead Aggressor, 
Guy King, Legend of Daikin Mario, Combination Go Danner, Combination Go Danner Second Season, Don Gaio, Hyper Combat Unit, Gun X Sword, nice. a, a personal favorite of Chris's, Zoe Genesis, <laughs> Cyber Troopers Virtual on Mars, Super oh, Electromagnetic cool. Robo Combatler 5, Super Electromagnetic Machines Voltos 5, mm-hmm. Beast King Go Lion, Dan Cougar, Project Zero Meyer, Boo Comet, SPD Laser, G Gundam, Brain Powered, and Detonator Organ. So, Detonator Organ? Yeah. Well, that's digging into crates, man. Yeah. That's so, a, that's a great anime, man. If you I like robots and you like portable robot play, have fun. Because nice. uh, there's no tenant, it's tentatively released for fall of this year, but um, we'll definitely keep you updated on stuff like that because we know there's a lot of um, super robot fans out there. That is good news. That is good news. And our last listener submitted news article is from Zero Buster XX. And this comes courtesy of the Anime News Network. Basically, we all know that nobody can write an original movie anymore, but there seems to be a planned bubblegum crisis film in 2012. (laughs) And it's going to have a split Caucasian-Asian cast. I'm not really looking too much into this because it's a $30 million U.S. project that's being planned for early worldwide release in 2012. So I just hope if they do this, they don't destroy it too much. But uh, Soul Bro, any, any thoughts of um, we ran out of ideas in Hollywood? Wait, I mean, isn't it, it's, it's being produced by the Australians, right? It is going to be shot in Australia. It's going it to have a, a Caucasian third... and Asian cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, a one of the partners budget. is Wiz Films, yeah. and they're going to have animation director... Anthony Lamoriano, who did Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, mm-hmm. to do the post-production work in Canada. Right. So it's like it's like no country wants to claim this because uh, <laughs> it's just being done all over the place. So I like Bubblegum Crisis. I I, I I think it could be done low budget, but it just it's going to depend on the actual story that they do. And I don't know. I mean, um, with with the kind of budget that that demands, I don't think thirty million is enough. Yeah. But, I mean, they they got they got they've got it, it's it's the, it's. In, in the article here, it's going to be the first co-production mm-hmm. between six nations. And it's going to be between Canada, Australia, China, the U.S., and I guess Japan, and some other ones in there. So, I mean, the, the cool thing about it is it's going to have a bunch of fresh faces. And a lot of action stars have come out of Australia so and, uh, and New, New Zealand. So you might have you might have quite a talented bunch on there. I'm, I'm hoping that it is good. I don't expect it to be, but <laughs> I'm hoping that it is. <laughs> Better than the Legend of Chun Li, right? God, anything better oh, is better than that. That's for sure. <laughs> but uh, that's pretty much the news here. I don't know if any of you guys have any any things before we go and get into our first segment. Soul Bro, Chris, I think we're good. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, you're listening to Gundam at MHQ. We'll be back in a little bit with our first segment. Open. God damn it! Open! Prime, you said the Matrix would light our darkest hour. Magnus! I want the Matrix! Never! Need a cake, but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, 
video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. Boy, it's lucky you had these compartments. I use them for smuggling. I never thought I'd be smuggling myself in them. This is ridiculous. Even if I could take off, I'd never get past the tractor beam. Leave that to me. Goddamn fool, I knew that you were going to say that. Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. In this segment, we return to our anime mecha spotlights. And um, this time we're going to be discussing uh, one of the classics from Yoshiyuki Tomino, the creator of uh, Mobile Suit Gundam and uh, many other series. This series premiered in 1983 after he had finished his, um, his previous series, Blue Gales the Bungle. Um, it, uh, it is uh, Aura Battler Dunbine, and you might have heard us talking about it in the past before. Um, now we're going to finally get into um, discussing it and talking about our favorite parts about the show and, and just, just... Not so favorite parts. Oh, oh yes. But um, the premise is this. It's, um, I equate it to an Englishman and... Um, our, uh, yeah, Englishman and King... I'm sorry. A Yankee, Connecticut Yankee and King, King, King Arthur's, Arthur's Court. Court. Why, thank you. Thank An you, Englishman uh, and King Arthur's Court would not <laughs> would be, be no. out of the norm. That would be entirely boring. <laughs> a Welshman. And it would... And it would make sense. Exactly. That would, that would be logical. Yes. But yes, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, basically um, a young loner motocross competitor, Sho Zama, he um, gets whisked away to a magical world along with um, some other people from what they call Upper Earth, which is our world, to a world called um, Bison Well. He's brought there by uh, magical forces, and he is drafted into joining the army of Drake Luft, who is the provincial ruler of this kingdom. Which has this technology for um, these magical mecha called um, aura battlers, and uh, apparently people from other, Upper Earth have strong aura, which makes these uh, mobile suits or aura battlers uh, move and makes them perfect pilots for that. And then um, eventually he's shown that Drake Luft is his goals aren't all that uh, chivalrous and kind, and um, he switches side to a group of rebels. One of them, including a um, a former cop from Houston, Texas, who he ends up um, having a t- well, he ends up having a relationship with throughout the series, and um, it's pretty much about their story. And uh, I will pass the mic off to Neo, and we'll get some of his thoughts on the show. Initial thoughts? Well, I always equate um, or Battler Dunbar into one of those, just like a G Gundam. Like if you looked at the stuff on paper and you like read the little synopsis on the back of the box, you'd be like, "Well, this doesn't sound like it would work too well," <laughs> but it, it does work pretty well. Um, you know, it's not a perfect show. Uh, there are some parts of it that are a little kind of eh, and there are some parts of it that do drag a little bit. But it's very interesting because it, it, it's it's very interesting in using like kind of the fantasy magical world and putting mecha or putting you know some type of giant robot into it, and also showing like how forces or for technology from other eras or other realities or whatever can take uh, a peaceful 
world and, and, and engulf it into war because you find out throughout the through the show is that everything was pretty good in Biston well up until these aura battlers started uh, showing up. You know, Drake Luft, he was just a king that just wants more and wants to conquer all of Biston well and starts all these battles with these other uh, kingdoms and, you know, whatever little monarchs that are around throughout Biston well. Uh, the characters are pretty interesting. Uh, Shozama, what I really liked about him the most is the fact that he really even throughout the whole show he doesn't really care too much about the fight between the rebels and drake luff um even towards the end i mean he does start to care a little bit more because he just he gets wrapped up into it but he still kind of just is like you know this isn't really my problem i don't know why i'm having to be dragged into it you know there's some other great characters the baddest man in a dress shot weapon one of the best names you could ever have um, for a Yankee, no less. For the most part of the show, show's rival, who originally was brought down with him, Todd Guinness. Oh, yes. Um, you know, real racist, real bigoted asshole. But um, you still love him, man. Yeah, but you still do like him. And, 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 and I'll be honest with you, when he goes away in the show, because uh, he doesn't unfortunately make it to the end, um, <laughs> it, there is a little bit of loss to the... Yeah, you know, I think I could mention the the um, the ending of the show. It's We've not like, spoiled it like what spoiling twenty six years after the fact. <laughs> I thought I thought this was the Lelouch is dead type of thing. Which, by the way, he is dead. You know the thing about Todd Guinness that makes him kind of interesting is mm-hmm. even though he's like the ace rival mm-hmm. and and he's you know with the bad guys, he's not a bad guy himself. Not a really. You know he doesn't do any of like the asshole things that all these other guys do. It's just sort of like he just started off on the wrong side. And got stuck there and stayed there. He he's kind of like show in the fact that yeah. he doesn't really care. The only thing is he does get more of a kick out of piloting yeah. than show. You know, show for the most part he doesn't want to pilot. You know, of course, just like in any of these robot shows, he ends up being one of the best pilot. You know, having the potential, especially with the aura power. But yeah, I'd have to agree that with um, Todd Guinness. I mean, he's much better than who really uh, replaces him at the end as the chief rival. The loser villain of loser villains, <laughs> Burn Burnings. Well, uh, the thing. Let's, the, why don't we discuss Burn now, now that we're on that topic? Because oh. this guy's a piece of cake right here. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll come back to Todd Guinness then. But um, go ahead. Uh, what were your What were you guys' thoughts on Burn Burnings? I think he's the archetypal loser villain. Because man, <laughs> this guy is such a loser. I mean, he he's arrogant. He's petty. Whiny. Whiny. Always losing. Yeah goes through like i don't know how many aura battlers but keeps losing becomes so shameful that he has to turn himself into the black knight <laughs> just to hide his shame but then continues to keep losing as even the black knight yeah and it's he- not like he goes away and then comes back as a mysterious badass he comes back as a not so mysterious loser <laughs> And, and you know what makes it kind of funny is like, you know, you always equate loser villains as like Jared Mesa. But the thing about Jared is at least there were people he fought with that liked Jared. There were actually people that liked him. I never got the sense that any of the people that Burn Burnings commanded or, or fought with really cared about this guy or, or really no, even liked, liked him. him. Yeah. He wasn't really much of a people person. No. Well, there was, there was one person that I think, you know, was trying to get his approval and his... Um his his uh, his admiration and that was Galeria you know for the short she period just she wanted to she Galeria she wanted just to wanted up. to be the yeah she just wanted to move up but, I don't think know. she cared about not I in the sense had, of like Capricorn liked he was friends with Jared Mauro was friends with you know she fell in love with Jared okay. even Lila liked Jared Jared was a 
complete dick and, and stuff, but there were people that cared about him and people that liked him. I think I, think I didn't the, never got that sense with um, with Burn Burnings. I Nobody think cared about had this a dude. thing for him, but you know he was already betrothed to um, Emily Luft, so you know he wasn't even trying to look at her. And she, yeah, came, but she, she didn't she, even like him. I, yeah, she, she wouldn't did. even sit there. I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, it's one thing for like an arranged marriage. I understand that, but she did, she didn't even look to the good side of that. She wanted Lucky Charms, Neil Givens. Well, yeah, she did, but I'm just saying so, that, that Galeria was looking. No, Burn 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 Burnings was he? He's the loser. Villain of loser villains. I don't. I, I I got some respect for him at least in the beginning of the show because he wasn't that bad. At the no, of the show actually, the he gets half. he toward, towards the end yeah, is he, when he actually he gets a little respectful. Yeah, you get a little respect for him. But he, he was, was a weasel at the beginning of the beginning of that show, man. Was he really? Uh, oh yeah, he was. He was. He was and the thing is, he made it. He kind of made it seem like he was kind of a nice guy when he was putting on like. The buddy buddy act with Shozama, like yeah, yeah Drake Loop's so awesome. You should fight with us. Yeah. But then he quickly showed like a very arrogant, petty side. Mm-hmm. I mean, he showed get- like how much of a dick he was. So it became apparent, like by the second or third episode, yeah, this is not a good guy. When that, when 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 Todd show and that other guy, I forget the other guy. He only lasted Tomo, like Tomozaku or I forget, yeah, yeah, something like that. You know, they 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 all were in the dumbbinds and they're all fighting and. You know, they, they go out for those little maneuvers and stuff. And immediately, Burn Burnings is getting all jealous of Shozama because he's not even, you know, Shozama's not even trying. Mm-hmm. He's not even doing anything. And this guy is so insecure and so petty that he's like, you know, I'm going to try to be his friend, but I'm going to let him know who's boss here. And it's like, <laughs> come on, dude, really? Yeah, it's kind of like when you, when you have like a shitty office job. And there's like some guy who's middle management who's just barely above you, but yeah. feels the need to make you know that he's in charge and that he has more power than you and he's going to throw it in your face whenever he gets the opportunity. Exactly. You mean like Lumberg on Office Space? No, because he was, he, was <laughs> he was the top guy. He was, the, he was like the top guy. But oh, man. No, like, uh, like basically the person that's like ab- immediately above you. Yeah. yeah. You know, so... But that, that, I guess that would be enough on Burn Bernie, unless there's anything else. Because well, there's some other great characters we could talk about, too. How about um, Marvel Frozen? What were you guys' um, opinions of her and, um, and some of the other rebels that were in, um, that were in the group? Um, Marvel, I really didn't think too much of. I was kind of like show. I didn't really think too much of show. <laughs> I, I like because to be honest with you, when you yeah. said earlier that they end up having like a, a kind of good relationship, yeah, they still just seem like buddies to, to the end of it. I mean, here Shozama is, and this is one of the downsides of him. <clears throat> he's so he's so wimpy and pathetic that even when he realizes that the the you know their end is coming, yeah, and the fact that either one of them could get killed, and he realizes his feelings towards Marvel, mm-hmm. he can't you know he can't eloquate them to her. At all. I mean, he, he never did anything Which I think that I can remember. Well, I've, the thing is that show's kind of an antisocial dick. Yeah. And if you look at it, and I noticed this because I watched Dunbine after Zeta. Mm-hmm. If you look at it, uh, Dunbine in several ways is kind of like the prototype of Zeta. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. And show is kind of like, he's like a prototype, like angrier version of Camille. Mm-hmm. Whereas Camille, like, you know, softens up a bit later on in, in the series and, and rounds off some of his rough edges. Show's kind of just like an antisocial dick for most of the show yeah well with Pan- he kind of does soften up later on but you know you still see some of that even towards the end of the show well i think the best story arc was was show, for show is when he went back home for those few episodes and i guess he was coddled by his mom his whole life and his father was the hard ass but it was nice to see the paradigm shift when he went back home and his father was like all in his corner and his mother thought he 
was like some kind of um, alien poster yeah. replicant. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. in the in the point in time where she pulled the gun on him, that I think was like a changing point in the show's demeanor. Because you know he would have never thought that would ever happen. And then to go home and get completely alienated by the one person that gave him support all his life, I think that really effed with him. And you know it's just another Tomino classic um, character screw over. But <laughs> it was it was an interesting episode for. Um, for for show and I, I I like that episode of the series a lot. Well, but, um, it's it's funny that you say that with the characters because you you do kind of get that. I, I get uh, Todd Guinness is a more likable Jared. You know, Jared's Jared's not too unlikable guy, but you know, oh, he's very unlikable. Todd Guinness <laughs> is a is a more likable because he's he's more of the rival. You know, but he doesn't have that that arrogant streak like uh, Soroko or any of those, you know, who were like the true rivals. He was a comical guy. And, yeah. and, 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 and it's like from, from Jump, when they were all in that cart together, when show was saying, this can't be real, this can't be real, and Todd just punches him in the eye. Yeah. <laughs> like, is this real for you, Japanese? And, and, and calls him Jap. It's like, wow. <laughs> this guy don't. This guy does not hold his tongue for anything. Is he? I always call him the um, the Archie Bunker of anime, and it, it, and it was perfect. <laughs> and oh, it, yeah. it was perfectly explained it when he when they said he was from Boston. That was the best. It's like okay, I completely I completely understand this character now. Yeah. The best scene re- having to do with Todd Guinness in the show to me is when Drake Love says, "We will spare the town of Boston in memory of Sir Todd Guinness." <laughs> That's well, really that, that's really cool. That brings up a good thing is like and and this is where for the most part the show's pretty it goes at a pretty well even keel. But I did feel once they got to our earth, upper earth, oh yes. It started to drag a little bit. Halftime. There was there was some <laughs> there were some great things in it and I don't understand why the Japanese always feel the need to blow up Paris. Um no. <laughs> You know, but uh <laughs> Because it seems like like every uh, every anime or a lot of video they games. Can't, they can't always blow up Tokyo. I don't know what the deal is, but it's like, you know, if it's not Tokyo, then it's... Um, because the Eiffel Tower resembles Tokyo Tower, therefore it's good for blowing up. I nice. guess so. Nice. Just like but, the new G.I. Joe movie. That, um... <laughs> Yeah. But that psycho chick who crazy French woman who like blows everything up. She was like a she was a I don't even remember what the hell her name was. But she was a, yeah, Gerald Gerald Kuchibi. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was nuts. You know that that was kind of the part where it was just like I don't know if Tamino like ran out of ideas or or what because you know for a while there it's just like okay we're gonna fight over another city in the in in the, in our world or fight over the ocean. Big battle. And it became Battle of the Week. Well, the problem... The thing about the, this Earth arc is, when it was reviewed on MHQ, I know that the reviewer, Brian, um, <clears throat> didn't care so much for uh, when the story moved to Earth and had kind of the same complaint as you. What I liked about it is that in, in the first half of the show, it's like you kind of reached the limit of what could be done. Right. And it could have just gotten stale. And I like that how then they moved to Earth, everything changed because you had this effect where even the smallest uh, aura battles, battler battles, that. Yeah. It's a tongue twister. <laughs> were massively catastrophic on Earth yeah. because our power caused so much more damage on Earth. Yeah, mm-hmm. more damage than nuclear weapons. You have like the new politics of you know all of these players from Biston Well trying to align themselves with different government on Earth, different governments on Earth, and suddenly now the Earth is at war, mm-hmm. and all of these countries are at war, and then you know shit's just happening everywhere. Yeah, yeah. You, you see these countries scrambling. Like um, you see the president of the United States, and it th- I think Dunbine is the only anime where I've ever seen um, Queen Elizabeth as an actual regular character in the yeah. show. Like hey, um, at least at least you didn't tell her to her face that she's two hundred years old, like George Bush did one time. <laughs> Oops. Oh my Oops. God. Sorry there, Queenie. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't know that. That's but, bad. 
But she, <laughs> she was a hit Rich, character, man. Which we do see the whole thing, and it, it was cool that Tamino set that up mm-hmm. um, with the you know set the seed about the Aura Patler in um, Upper Earth mm-hmm. early in the show when Galeria and Show get transported to Upper Earth, and you know unfortunately she kind of di- she's the Lila of the show because she's that you know you're that sympathetic kind of really kind of hard ass cool pilot chick that just kind of dies way too soon. Yeah. yeah, and kind of can't break past, you know, their own limitation and their situation. Yeah. Like in the case of Lila, how she just could not believe that some kid was beating her and it made her sloppy and that's what killed her. And then, you know, Garalia, she was just sort of like this woman and she was looked down upon and discriminated against and she was out to prove herself and she just couldn't run away from, you know, that insecurity and, and that, you know, like self-imprisonment that she'd put herself in yeah well of being so like negative about that and, and that's where the whole thing with burn burnings being such a dick it, because he tr- he tried to keep her in what the heck were those things called those hovercrafts that they had the, the aura powered hover i forget I what those things about. she wanted to go into the um uh what were they the donnie not the donnie o'shea but the um was it the donnie what was the other aura battler that the um that drake lust forces had <clears throat> I think there was a will there was a will o wisp. The will o wisp. No, will o wisp is a is a ship. Uh, you're oh, talking yeah, about. You know, you know what I'm talking the, about. The, the Drumlow was Drumlow. Thank you. Was like the Zaku of yeah Drake loose forces and um, uh, the Barals. Barals. There you go. Because she kept wanting to go into the Drumlow, and it, she, you could see she had the potential of being a pilot, and she finally gets into it, and then it's just there's just too much, and you know, like you said, she got sloppy. Because she started getting, you know, she finally achieved her goal of getting a drum low and then couldn't believe that show was just so much powerful. And it's interesting, too. I think we mentioned this before about this show where the prototype, especially at the beginning, the, the, the name suit, it, there was actually quite a few, there was, what, three, three or of four them. of them at the beginning. Three of them at the beginning. On the and first flight, one got destroyed, and I think um, Todd they, got his wrecked. Yeah, and so then, they wrecked that, and then they never rebuilt another dumb bike <laughs> and it ends up being the one of the most powerful suits for most of the time until the uh, bill bind shows would, up and then in think? grand tradition becomes the hand me down yeah mid-season <laughs> yeah i'll hand this down to the i'll hand this down to emma speaking of because <laughs> that's because that's because uh marvel would be kind of the emma sheen i guess she would be but nicer than emma oh yeah but um, I'm, I'm not saying that to rag on you adam it's I, just no it's, it, it's true it's all right. I like I like Marvel too. So I it, she she was cool. But um, what do you guys I think? think it, of- and in part, I probably like her because uh, she has the same voice voice actress in the Japanese version as Misa Hayase. So oh, okay. I yeah. didn't know that. That's cool. And since we're measuring the billbine, I think, and also Macross mm-hmm. should probably make a note of how just the very existence of the billbine mm-hmm. proves how <clears throat> big like the transforming craze oh, yeah. had taken over Japan because it seemed like at this point like everybody was throwing in even one transforming mecha just for the sake of having a transforming mecha because that was expected after Macross. Yes. And that's, you see that perfectly in the case of the Billbine, which is the only transforming mecha in the show and transforms into a uh, wing caliber. And the, uh, what was it, the Willowist would actually combine with that flyer too. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're seeing all these combinations and then, like you said, the, the transformation. Now i got a question for you. I don't know if we've mentioned it, but the... The aura battlers are all kind of insect looking. Is that the reason why the what is it the Galbraith and Zeta is is that from there? Or is that from Five Star Stories? Remember the Galbraith, the, the insect looking suit. Oh, the that, Gab Gabfle? Gabfle. Gabfle. I'm I'm sorry, the Gabfle. 
the uh, the insect looking one. Is that like an homage to Dunbine, or is that Five Star Stories? Well, Five Star Stories was later on. Yeah. Okay. So it's probably a uh, an homage because let me see here. It it seems like a reject from Dunbine though. The it does yeah, look like a reject from a, Dunbine. When, when, sitting there watching um, Zeta, it's like man, that looks. It looks like an ore battler. What the hell is it doing here? Yeah. It's like um, looking at the Hive Kashiki and saying, well, that looks like that should be in five-star stories. <laughs> it, it's just, I guess, a testament to Zeta because it had like influences that were clear in that show. It, I, I, do, I do kind of agree that it, it, in some ways, you know, it, it does look like this show. This show and, uh, and what was it? L Game came after this. Yeah. They were kind of the templates of what he put into Zeta. He kind Very of combined... Different the different points from both shows and and a lot of the character types that it that were created in here you know except for s- some of the kind of the crazy ones like uh, shot weapon I don't I don't really remember that type of character in a Zeta or anything like and that. there's no uh, little little uh, fairy chicken Zeta that yeah. I recall no not at all <laughs> I mean unless you count Shint or Coom <laughs> interesting also that uh, you know Dunbine we should mention was one of the early like fantasy mecha shows. Yeah. Because, you know, this show was around obviously long before shows like Escaflowne were doing their thing. And was it the first? It might have been. Uh yeah. I know that another like uh fantasy show from this time was uh Ryosuke Takahashi, the creator of Votoms, he did a show called uh Panzer World Galliant. Oh. Okay. That was a uh, a fantasy mecha show and um I've heard of that show. I just didn't know it was a fantasy based show. Didn't yeah, it is. And you got kind of it's got this really creepy looking uh like enemy mecha that is this uh like centaur type night mecha wow. with four horse legs. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, and and there were, you know, a couple of other uh like fantasy type mecha shows in the 80s, so I don't know possibly if Dunbine had started uh, this this little like uh, brief thing of um, fantasy mecha, but it's worth noting that you know this aesthetic was you know first developed in the early '80s by whoever did it to then make the way for later on in the shows in the '90s like Escaflone to come along. Yeah, yeah, because you can definitely see there are a lot of things that Escaflone kind um, of you know, takes from borrows from, from these shows. You know the the whole thing, and um, that would be definitely a great uh, anime spotlight in the future. I would imagine Escaflone. Yeah. And even some other shows that are not fantasy-based, you can see how they're taking a page from Dunbun. Just look at the um, Zanskari designs from V-Gundam. They're very, like, insect-like. Yeah. A lot of them look like they could fit in Dunbun. And like we said, um, you know, in, in Zeta, there was an influence there with, um, with that mobile suit. And yeah. just the general tone of the shows, because you see them, like, later on, they start to go, like, down this, like, path of, of like, dread, and things yeah. just keep getting worse and worse and worse as time goes on, mm-hmm. leading, of course, to two kill em all finales, although we should mention that Dunbines was far more kill em all than Zeta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, if there's nothing really else to say about some of the characters, I guess we might want to um, talk about this, because he kind of was introduced to his kill em all mentality with, um, especially with, uh, with Ideon, yeah. uh, but then, I think it probably really gets cemented <laughs> Uh, with this show and then later on um, with Zeta. So um, thoughts on uh, the ending of Dunbine? I, Everybody dies. <laughs> except for one person. Except, except for Chumhow the fairy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's big excitement on, on the nightly news that she's alive. 
Yeah. She becomes a celebrity after yeah, that, apparently. Exactly. But um there's a real cold death in the last episode and I won't say who it is, but Dude, there's, I'll just freaking there's say cold it. deaths oh, well, then, all yeah. over the place. Well when it's twenty six years after the fact. Well if if you have Neil seen Gibbons it, is laugh is is happy as hell because he finally killed Drake Luft. He's been trying to kill this guy the whole time. <laughs> as he's going, He's dead, he's dead, Drake Luff is dead. Ah! He gets murdered. Neil Gibbons, the um the yeah. spokesman for Lucky Charms. Yeah. But <laughs> but no, um there's a particular death and, and it's the context of it that's real cold. One of the girls, um, Emily Luft, and her mother, the wife of Drake Luft, they've had a rift throughout the entire series. And it comes to a head, I believe, in the last episode, where um Emily is clearly not down for um Earth being taken over and she's with the rebels and her and her mother have a confrontation. Her mother pulls a pistol out of um the armoire in the in the bedroom, out of the blue and shoots her daughter square in the forehead. <laughs> I mean, you don't you don't even see it coming. It's it's it's. I mean, it's it's not as cold as that death in the day on where that kid's head gets blown off, but it's almost right up there. No, the, well, no. it's a parent murdering their own so, child pa- just out of out hate and it's, and, and it's political actually, ambition. Exactly. It's actually more shocking because the little kid getting his head blown off is just funny. Yeah, it's just a stray casualty. This is like you know, yeah. intentional. Like a, a parent murdering their own child, which instantly has a much yeah. more dramatic impact. The way it plays out, where when she gets shot in the head, time slows down. So. You can feel the impact of that shot, and then her body just falls limp. And that—that that was pretty much the opening salvo of the yeah, of really the slaughter, was. too, wasn't it? Because mm-hmm. it just. Uh, it and just... then at least uh, her mom gets what she deserves when uh, when uh, Neil, like he 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 feels that death. Then he comes and he just like smashes the room that she's in. Mm. Yeah, with his or battler. I think that's how he killed her. And that's what he yeah, I believe so. Because that's the other thing that kind of comes <laughs> about it too. The, the when the um, the whole thing with the aura powers, because once they get into Upper Earth, even the people from Bison Well are able to really their aura powers kind of get enhanced reverse, too. And then it kind of goes to that kind of whole new type thing where they're starting to feel things or having visions of things. Mm-hmm. And what I liked about it is it's just one death after the other. It's just. You know, and, like and, and it's calling. great because, like I said, that whole thing with Neil Gibbons. Here, this guy is elated that the guy he's been chasing for 49, 50 episodes got killed. <laughs> and then, as soon as it happens, he gets smoked. And then, like, right around that same time, what was that, that girl's name? Shot, um, shot Chick? Oh, King Keats? No, 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 no. no. She King. was like, Oh, King. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And she gets smoked, too. It's like, Oh, man. Yeah. It's, it, it's, Didn't it's, she cry out when Neil got killed and then she gets killed? Yeah. I mean, it was it was stuff like that. Or it was just like they'd <laughs> see their friend get murdered and then they just get murdered. And they, they've living the whole show through some real tough situations and it's, it, they just all fall like dominoes, man. It's it, it's it's sad in a way, but it, it makes for an exhilarating um climax. And, and this is where Burn Burnings does kind of redeem himself. He because does. The last... <laughs> You know, pretty much the last real character deaths that we see is, you know, him and Cho are fighting and fighting, and then they just, they're, they're in midair, and they get out of their, their aura battlers because they're all messed up, and they just go to um, swords and end up stabbing each other. They impale each and then, other. And then the just spot. a big aura explosion happens. <laughs> By the way, I should probably mention that my female crush for this show, I don't know if you guys would agree, Sela Lapana, that queen. She must be, she must be like yeah. Queen Deanna. I liked kind her. Of, yes. I liked her, and I like she's like she's like a proto Diana yeah. Sorrel for me. So I liked her, but I I liked um, Shots Chick, and um, I forget what her name was, and I like Galeria. I mm-hmm. thought Galeria was, you know, I, just because she was that kind of untapped 
character. Yeah, Galeria. Galeria. You know, the, the typical Tamino. I'm making kind of an interesting character, but I'm just going to kill them off really quickly, even <laughs> though they probably have more potential than some of the people that are going to be you know, there forever. I think we should probably also mention, since we seem to have uh, finished up with, with the show, uh, briefly mention some of the several sequels oh, that Dunbine has unfortunately received over the years. Uh, have you guys seen any of them? And if so, what do you think? Um, I guess we should start off with... Uh, Garzy's Wing. I tried to yeah. watch it. I couldn't watch it. I actually own it, and I've watched the first three episodes, and I was like, no offense to Tamino, but... Well, it's only three episodes. Oh, well, I guess I watched it all. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I... Um, that says a lot, that, that if you thought... <laughs> you watch you watch the entire show, and you're like, wow, there must be more. I, I just, I just tapped out, like, when the third episode was over. And, of course, the infamous thing, I think both me and Chris mentioned earlier, we were looking forward to Wings Arene, mm-hmm. um, watching the first episode, and I just couldn't get past the first episode because it was so disjointed and so... It was just such a busy mess of all like, over a the bunch place. of stuff happening, and it was just like... I mean, the only thing that, that, that would have made more sense is if during all the crazy like chasing and fighting is if you had like the Benny Hill... Yeah. And the sped up footage. And then the and, and then the chick showing up in her bra and panties. With the old man chasing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, nice. I mean the the first episode was such a mess and and it's not really a, an auspicious start when the first episode is so messy and you only have six episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I do plan to give the series a second try, but the first episode wasn't a good impression for me when it first came out. I have not seen Garzy's Wing, so I can't comment on that. I did see the first sequel, uh, Tale of Neil, Neil Bystonwell. Bystonwell. Yeah, I never saw that. I saw that too. Which was just like really strange and boring, and it was kind of like a rehash of um, Dunbine. Because instead of uh, Shozama, you had this uh, dude... This takes place like a couple of centuries later, and Bystonwell's been peaceful and everything. But uh, strangely, like shot weapon, like survived Dunbine, but now he's like a shriveled up, corpse-looking guy, an undead sorcerer. Because <laughs> yeah, he looks like an undead sorcerer. Because he, he he that was the one kind of death that you never, I, I, if I can remember, it didn't. You never really saw him get killed, right? It was just like he was in a he was in that ship. And you, that you, ship blew up. You saw so it get blown up, but I mean, they, they it, the, the cool scene, the coolest scene in the whole OVA is at the very beginning when you see Shot Weapon. He's like um, kneeling in this wasteland, and um, you see like the skin melt off his face. Oh man, and it's freaking, it's freaking, yeah, it's, it's messed up. And it's like, so you got uh, in this show, you have the Surbine, which kind of looks like a refined Dunbine, piloted by instead of Shozama, Shion Saba, <laughs> <laughs> and. Aside from just being a weird story, um, the way the show is animated, especially the mecha battles, you have these mecha that they move like so slowly that they seem like they're just kind of like Zombies. sliding across the screen very slowly rather than moving. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if they're drawn things on a stick, being very move slowly moved from one into the other until they start fighting. So it's it's a very strange effect. I don't know who even directed this. I don't think it was Tamino. So uh, it's uh, not especially uh, good. It's just kind of meh. So it's not that great. Uh, and again, the Garzy's when I can't speak to, and Wings was kind of um, disappointing at first glance. So Wing, Wings was so screwed up that I'm pretty good about going and just battling through, especially, you know, bad shows and, you know, thinking that they're going to get better. But I was so confused and just so, like, overwhelmed by just the busyness. And, you know, there was just too much going. You couldn't, I couldn't understand what he was trying to do. Yeah, I felt the same way. And it's worse, especially because it's worse when you're confused 
as a Dunbine fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I knew what was going on. I even was like reading up of like some of the synopsis, you know, beforehand when Wing Wings was released, and it's just like, wait a second, what the heck is this? But I, I don't know. I think it boils down to this. In in Japan, there's um, a series of novels that Tomino wrote based on the Bison Well. Um, Lore Which and, I wish and, they'd bring over because yes, I heard they're yeah, very good. Exactly, and um, but I, I won't I, hold my breath because I'll die immediately. I, th- <laughs> I yeah, think I think to enjoy some of the spinoffs of Dunbine, you really would have to have a little bit of knowledge of those novels to at least be able. Because I mean, the first episode is so random. That, well, it's it's I'm just, sure those novels will fill it, in some of the gaps. It, it, it's not like it. It's not like some of the Gundam side stories or something like that where. Yeah. You know, you can kind of see it. Wings Arena, I think you have to watch the first up to understand what me and Chris are saying. It's like, I understand, you know, that there might be some things that I don't know. But when you're kind of looking at things and you're, and you're reading up on things before this is being released and you're still confused and, and you're looking at it and it's just because it, it's very, very, very rapid fire. I mean, it's like, what was it, about 40, 42 minutes or something like that, Chris? It was a little bit longer than a, a normal episode. Because, uh, I think it was average. What, 30 or something like that? Kind of like um, the igloos that are, you yeah, know. Yeah, it was little, average length. Average, it was not any longer than anything. So it's a whole bunch of stuff crammed into like 25, I mean, it's, it, it's rapid fire. I mean, it's just, it just jumps from one thing to the next, so. Well, that's a shame because it, it could have been something better. It, it might have been something that should have been expanded um, into a. He might have been show. just looking for a check. Could have been. <laughs> 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 Who knows? You know, sometimes sometimes directors just mail it in too. So at this point, it's like every time if another Dunbine production is announced after being burned three times, I just won't be so excited anymore. It's like because when Wings of Rian was announced a few years ago, I was like, oh boy, a new Dunbine. I know. Product. I was excited. And, yeah. And the funny thing is, I had just finished watching. I think I had just finished collecting. Collecting all of Dunbine on on DVD, and um, they announced Wings Arena, and it's like, wow, that's cool. I, I just finished Dunbine. I get to watch another series, and then yeah, you're I, looking you're looking forward to watching this. Oh yeah, and then you're like, wow, what what <laughs> <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Even with the synopsis that I read and from the Japanese new type that was translated two weeks earlier, mm-hmm. I still don't know what the heck is going on. But well, well, well what would you guys kind of say? I guess in closing with. Um, Dunbine. You know about or Battler Dunbine, especially Dunbine. Good sequels, not good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Hulk. Any other closing thoughts? I, I would pretty much say the, the, the same thing. Burn burning's bad. <laughs> oh, Todd, smash. <laughs> Todd Guinness, good. Todd Guinness, racist. Todd Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also named after a stout beer, so he can't be too bad. Yeah, exactly. I would just probably say in closing when it comes to Aura Battler Dunbine, good show, just like any show. It's not a perfect show. You know, it does have some kind of drag parts in it, but uh, it's not perfect. But, you know, good if you want something with the robot genre or the mecha genre and a little different, you know, a little different presentation with the fantasy. A lot of great characters, even secondary characters. There's probably some that we didn't even get into that were, are pretty good. Garzy's Wing, like I said, try to watch the first episode. I don't think I made it through halfway through the first episode because it was just bad. Um, Wings Arena same thing but i would say this is something that you'd if you're an intermediate fan of mecca you would enjoy and you can see especially if you're a tamino fan or a gundam fan you can see where in later incarnations of gundam some of these character types and some of the storytelling things that he did you know kind of came from this so oh speaking of which uh with gundam uh all the other similarities aside we should mention at one point did you guys catch the uh tristar impersonators 
God, I it was early. It was early when the show, yeah, to, that they encounter these three dudes who look exactly like the Tristars. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking. Oh man, I can't remember what they were called though. Yeah, and they pretty much got punked out the same way. They all got punked in the exact same way. Quicker. I don't recall if they had a jet stream attack, but they got punked. <laughs> they had some type of collaborative attack, I believe. I, I, I don't think it was like a jet stream, but yeah. <laughs> It's been a while since I watched the show. I have to, I have to, I have to check that episode again just to see that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I remember what he, I, I remember who he's talking about. That's too funny that he would, you know, he bring it back in that fashion. But then again, he brought Chan Fowl back in a similar fashion in L Game. Any, any other thoughts? That's pretty much. I would much just it. say give, give the show a try. It's, it's, it's a nice, unique take on a, on a mecha franchise by having it set in a fantasy world with fantasy elements. So. I- definitely something that you want to explore as a mecha fan and also as a tamino fan if you want to like work through the tamino catalog yes very true i dug the show a lot one of the things i liked about the show really was the unique mecha designs it's really hard to find now on dvd i I hear nightmares from people that say i got every volume but volume nine or something like that so it's actually the last volume because what happened was i should we should probably mention this very quickly Mm -hmm. adv i really don't know what the hell they were thinking when they released the show i'm glad they released it but they released it in 12 individual volumes like if it was a brand new show yeah because this was you know six years ago before like the current craze of like season sets and half season sets started up Mm -hmm. so they released the show in this format and later on you could see the show wasn't doing well because man they were they were like throwing in coupons something like subscribe to new type and we'll send you like a free volume of our battler dunbine yeah they couldn't even give this stuff away so because the uh the show was selling so poorly they decided to cut their losses early by producing volume 12 in much smaller quantities which made it very rare and hard to get so a lot of people myself included bought up the show during one of the many uh, adv fire sales yeah or during the right stuff fire sales mm-hmm but could not get volume 12. Man. I did because, uh, interestingly, they had a fire sale right after volume 12 was released. Right. So I picked up the entire series for like five bucks a pop and then just got volume 12 right when it came out. So Lucky. I didn't have the album. Yeah. But a lot of people out there have these two box sets with no volume 12 there. <laughs> and um, on eBay, it goes for like at least $100 because really? there's just so few quantities of it that it's really hard to get. I'm wow. Also- I bought mine when it came out for like 18 bucks, and um, I was collecting the show as it was coming out. I was because uh, I, I was so psyched to watch it, and um, I had no idea that they they did that until after um, the series had finished. And yeah, it's it's until they decide the box set and put it out, which is highly unlikely. Yeah, since ADV is pretty much on life support, except for when now they uh, they pick up garbage from. Uh Central Park Media, like MD Geist. Oh, I just had to laugh at. They picked up MD Geist. <laughs> I didn't realize that. They are in desperate times, so they get like, what is that like a a five dollar copy? You know, a rights issue there. They'll give you five dollars and a twelve pack of Coke Zero for this. And Central Park Media is like some of our and some of our office fixtures. Central Park Media is like you got a deal because I haven't eaten in three days. <laughs> It's 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 sad that we live in an anime industry where stuff like uh, Pat Labor, the licenses lapse on that. Yeah. But something like MD Geist still lives. Still lives, whether you want it to or not. Damn. For most people, not. But I think that's enough of that. So I I have nothing more to say on Dunbine. No problem. Same here. 
I, I think it's a fun show. It kind of suffers a little bit in the middle, but for the most part, hits hits strong at the end. It's a great watch for anybody to um, check out. And if you can find all the volumes, give it a whirl and let us know what you think on the on the forums. This brings our or Battler Dunbine spotlight to a close, and we'll be back in just a little bit on Gundam at MAHQ. Marcellus Wallace looks like. What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. Next on Gundam. How about the most laid back hipster of them all, Howard yes. from uh, Gundam Wing? <laughs> the new age mechanic. Mr. Uh, Mr. Permanent Vacation. He's hey, a- duo, what you got there? Hey, a bro- dude. A broken Gundam? <laughs> I'm going to fix up your Gundam, man. I got this spliff here. I'm just smoking, man. It's great, dude. I'll get your Gundam in a while, man. And you, you know, the thing that always made me wonder about Howard was the fact that he did all that work, but it never looked like they paid him for anything. So it's... <laughs> they, they paid him in Hawaiian. They paid him in... Hawaiian <laughs> blue. <laughs> Hawaiian blue. <laughs> or some Manitoba for your trouble. And that, that's, why, that's why he wore that Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> representing representing Howard seemed to me like um like an older version of Matthew McConaughey who learned to keep his shirt on <laughs> no, and you, his pants too and his pants on you know who you know who he reminded me of though too if if you ever watch like uh like drag racing they'll show like these oh, those older guys that you know like started up with drag racing they're all calling those those hipsters like that yeah same thing he always reminds me of like an old like uh, guy that used to do drag racing in like the 60s and 70s <laughs> he kind of he kind of makes me think of like a stoned doc brown yeah there you go there you go that is a sto- that, that's a perfect analogy right a stoned there. less add doc brown <laughs> yes howard the stoner mechanic Gundam. next episode you will see the tears of time Walter, I love you, but sooner or later you're going to have to face the fact you're a goddamn moron. Hey everybody, this is Chris. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. For this topic, we're going to be hitting up something that is very popular with uh, Mecha fans and has been around in the Mecha world for a very, very long time. Yes, it's the loser villain. Awesome. One of these days, I'll beat the Gundam Valkyrie slash robot, whatever. (laughs) Exactly. So, the loser villain, if you haven't really uh, watched a lot of Mecha shows or you're not familiar with the concept, is a guy who is a rival to the main character in any um, TV series. And this is a guy who is possessed of just single-minded hatred and a desire to beat the main character. But the problem is they lack the skill to do this. And no matter how many times they try, they just can't quite get it. And it's funny, too, because if you kind of equate it, they're the rival in their mind only. Yes, because they're a joke otherwise. Oh, and no. and the, you know, the main lead, the protagonist, he doesn't see them 
as that much of a rival. He just kind of sees him as like an irritant. Irritant. It's like an annoying fly. Mm-hmm. It just keeps buzzing around in your face, like. Bzz, 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 bzz. Man. So uh, I don't know exactly where the loser villain started, but there certainly are a lot of them in Gundam, and especially in uh, Tamino shows, and in quite a few non-Tamino shows. So I think we definitely have to start by mentioning this guy, who, even though we just discussed Dunbine, definitely have to mention Burn Burning, since he is the quintessential loser villain. <laughs> who becomes the mask man. He, he also should... becomes a masked man loser villain, which is like a nice variation on the formula. Yeah. yeah. For practically no reason. <laughs> it's, exactly. it's like the worst kept secret of the show. Yeah. <laughs> to hide his shame with more shame. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the shame of wearing that stupid mask. Yes. So Burn Burnings, uh, I mean, we just talked about his loserness in the Dunby segment, so there's no need to retread that. I'm just mentioning him for posterity because he's influential in uh, the, the long annals of loser villainy. He's paved the way. Yes. <laughs> Uh, interestingly, another one in a Tamino series that, that is a loser villain, but becomes a good guy, is uh, from Elgheim, uh, Gavlet Gable. Yeah, exactly. You know, he, this guy, he's an irritant because he kind of violates a rule of rivals slash loser villains, mm-hmm. which if you notice is you have them for a while, then they disappear for an arc or two, and then they come back because you don't want to wear them out yeah. right. and have them just be there all the time. Not with this guy. This he's guy is there all the time. The freaking time. He just does not go away. What's interesting about him is, though, even though he's, you know, with the Poseidal people and all of these guys, he's not really one of them. And he has kind of like his own code of honor. Mm hmm. And even though he keeps messing with Daba, you know, time and time again, eventually later on, he falls in love with Daba's sister and he doesn't like what's being done with her. So in the end, he changes sides and becomes a good guy, Oh, which is kind of rare for a loser villain to do. Very. I don't know if we should mention this guy as a loser villain because he's kind of sort of not but could fit in there. Gijay from Idean, what do you guys think? Gijay, the guy that he actually he also switches, joins switches them. sides. Yeah. He switches sides and falls in love with Cheryl. He, he actually starts off as pretty much the loser villain, but you know, he was the only one of the buff clan that was kind of likable, and you, you kind of felt his pain that, you know, he was just put in impossible situations trying to beat the Idean mm-hmm. and having to deal with the stupidity of the buff clan um, hierarchy. <laughs> he reminds me and this would be kind of a, another new version of the loser villain, like a Graham Aker. Graham Aker, Graham Aker is the loser villain with skill. The thing about the, the reason why I'm kind of hesitant to call GJ uh, a loser villain is that the archetype of the loser villain to me has two components. Yeah. One keeps losing to the main character. Two is really petty and small-minded. And GJ is not yeah. the second. Yeah, he's not petty and small-minded. Actually, Graham is a little petty and small-minded. Later on, because he goes yeah. crazy. I never really thought him in that aspect. I thought of him as more of the turncoat, you know, the um, you know the Benedict yeah. Arnold type of guy. Mm-hmm. And he en- he ends up. I know Solbro is just nodding here, just because he does. He just wants to look cool. <laughs> but one of these days, when you when you watch Ideon, you'll understand. I mean, he's not. He was never really unlikable as a buff clan. Yeah. And then when he gets moved over to the solo ship. And he's with the forces. I mean, this guy is, he ends up being the rock, the rock of the, you know, really? of, of the Adeon, pretty much. Yes. I, I, pretty I cool. think so. And, you know, he goes out in grand glory. He does. So that's why I'm hesitant to call him a loser villain, because he does have, you know, a good personality and, and a noble spirit. He just has a little shade of loser villainy and that he keeps losing. Well, but and the he fact, is a skilled guy. And the fact that he's the only buff clan guy that shows up that doesn't die within one episode. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Because 
every other guy pretty much just, you know, with this. Because they all say, I will use blank new stupid looking buff clan mecha to beat the giant god. Ha ha ha. Yeah. And then 15 minutes later, damn you, giant god. Boom. We are the wonder twins of the buff clan. We shall take down the giant god. Pretty much. No, you won't. (laughs) You will die. Yeah. So uh, moving forward now to the, the crown prince of loser villainy, Jared Mesa. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what have we not said about this, This man? guy is, you know... I can't fight if, like if, this. If, uh, <laughs> if, um, <laughs> That's on his grave. <laughs> if Burn Burnings was the archetype of, of, you know, real loser villains overall, Jared is the archetype for the Gundam variety. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes, he, yeah. he, he fit the mold. I mean, there was one before him, but he never showed up in the animated series. Uh, Johnny Ridden, he, he was always in the supplemental material, the, um, the Crimson Lightning. Yeah, but that guy got skilled. He just yeah. lived in the shadow of Char because of he his cobalt suit colors. But he wasn't a loser. He he wasn't a loser, but you know he he was second best, and that's that that would that's what fueled his frustration. But Which uh, was because of his color scheme. Yeah, yeah pretty much. But yeah, he was you know he wasn't a celebrated because you know it's I mean everybody was Char. Yeah, exactly. Pretty he much. A biter. But um, yeah, freaking Jared Mesa. He from Jump. I mean, the when when him and Camille first encounter each other, and and Camille punches the crap out of him, man. It, that set the but pace. But Camille right there. is a girl's name. <laughs> Jared, he's just such an arrogant prick, and he yeah. just loves it. What I like is when he beats up when he gets beaten up by Lila, yeah. and she's telling him like exactly why he sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just he just doesn't get it. But he does kind he of does get mature. It once she dies. He does yeah. mature after she dies, but yeah, and when she first tells him like why he sucks he doesn't get it the thing about jared though i will say is you can't stand him at jump but towards the end and at his death you kind of understand him to an extent you kind of do feel sorry for him and what he kind of says is true when he says to camille in that last fight of theirs like you made me what i am because the thing about jared was he was trying to be somebody yeah he was i think he was the guy that was a nobody and that and the titans made they could you know being with the titans made him somebody yeah so it was like and you kind of see that progression with it where it's like you know, you still didn't care that he died. I mean, he, he still got what he deserved. But you were like, you know what? In a lot of ways, because and that that's where that whole kind of dark tone of of Zeta happens, you know, whereas Armour was celebrated as the hero savior mm-hmm. at the end, Camille, what is Camille? Camille's just what he didn't want to be at the beginning, a killer and a murderer. You know, and Maybe Jared is a reflection of that, but at the same time, Jared could have pulled out at any time. He could have stopped. He could have realized that, you know, I'm never going to beat this cat. I don't care, you know, what, whatever machine I get in. But that's the insanity of obsession. You don't yeah. see a logical end to it. You really don't. And you've got to remember, he, he said, like, halfway through the show that he wanted to end up becoming the leader of the Titans. So, you know, he felt that the only way that he could be probably take and you remember the titans all made fun of jared yeah i mean everybody he was a joke he was a joke because he was a guy that kept losing what was it lila said you know the great jared messa goes out <laughs> does nothing and comes back with a broken mobile suit or or when uh at the beginning when he tells Basque that he wants a chance to reclaim his honor and Basque is like how can you reclaim what you never had to begin with yeah ouch so he was always trying to prove himself so it's like and, and that's where i give jared a little bit of a pass because he's yeah he's no. petty but you, you kind of put yourself in that position. Which but he you, also has goals because his his one goal in life is not just to kill Camille. That's just one of his goals. He, of his wants goals. To, he wants to lead the Titans. And the thing about Jared is I kind of see him as uh, sort of being like him and Camille are like two sides of the same coin. Very yeah. true. Because they both have obsessive personalities. Oh, God. Yeah. And Jared, at the, even though he does bad things... 
I don't think he was an inherently bad person at the start. He was. Doing He's kind like, of like Todd Guinness in the sense that he just ended up on the wrong side. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll tell you why I think that because when Camille's mom got killed and Jared was completely clueless about it. And then he's just like, he's he just, sitting there and he's like, wait a second, somebody was in there? He's and like, it, what's this disgusting feeling that I feel? Yeah, and in a way, it almost looked like he was going to have that uh, uh, the Emma epiphany yeah. when it came to stuff. But and then, then doesn't. And then doesn't then because doesn't. Camille comes and just whips his butt. But yeah. I think, and then you see that as much of a dick that he is, he does care for the people because obviously he did care for Lila. Kakrakan was like his only friend. He really did care for, for Maurer. So, you know, he's... He's more than a traditional loser villain because, you know, he's not, his, he's not just so single-mindedly obsessed about killing the main character. It just sort of happens as a result of the events of the series because, you know, he just gets deeper in his obsession as more people die. First Lila, then Kakrakan, then Maurer. Mm-hmm. And then it's like really when, when Maurer dies, I think that's what pushes him over the edge. And then he just becomes really, really, really obsessed at that point with Camille. And, and the other thing, too, is like at the end, he's got nothing. I mean, yeah, it, he and, literally has nothing. And, and it, he's even just given it seems like he gave up his goal of taking over the Titans. And at the at the point, he just wanted to kill Camille because Camille killed all his friends. <laughs> and his lovers. He seemed to suffer from Captain Ahab disease. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess that's what makes him such a great puppet for um, Paptimus Sirocco, because um, he sees that right off the bat. Like He almost kind of helps lead him to that point. <laughs> oh, well. And, well, Paptimus, he's the, he's the puppet master who has everyone is. dancing on his on his string. That's another segment in the future. <laughs> that's a whole other segment. Because Master Paptimus, we could talk a while about that guy, because that guy is one of the most fascinating characters I think Tamino has ever done. He was pre-trained. Oh, and when it comes to, to <laughs> smug assholes, I think hit, I think uh, even Ribbons gives this guy a run for his money. Oh, snap. Yeah. When it comes to, like, you know, smug bastards with a god complex. Yeah. But anyway, uh, well, moving on to other loser villains. Was, I don't know if this guy kind of qualifies because he's not around that much. But would you guys think that uh, Mashima Sero from uh, Double Zeta falls under the category of loser villain? I think he would as he well. He does. As well. Because the thing is, it's like at the beginning, he is the loser villain because he keeps getting his ass kicked by Judo. Yeah. Then Shara Soon shows up and he just can't stand her. Vanishes for 20 episodes. Comes becomes back. like a super buffed up artificial <laughs> new type and then blows himself up. Yeah. Yeah, he I don't know if he exactly qualifies he, when you look at the whole of his appearance. He had the recipe to be to be one. I know. I think another character who wasn't a loser villain when he first started, but become one became one in Double Zeta for the short period it was in it was um, Yazan y- Yazan Gable. Well, I um, think Yazan actually became he became he, Dick Dastardly man. Well, he he also became kind of. <laughs> His seeds of um, his seeds of loser villainy though were sprouted like the last like five eps of Zeta. Yeah, because he he kind of got into the same thing. He wanted to get the Zeta because he wanted to put that on his trophy case. Yeah, and he just kept getting punked too. Because Camille had no interest in fighting Yazan. But Yazan's Yazan's he he was very he was simple. skilled. He was I mean, skilled he was definitely and, 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 skilled. And his point was simple. He didn't go out blaming someone for his for his losses. He knew the Zeta was a tough target. But when he his when his two into. when those two dudes got killed, yeah. his two wingmen. He start. That's when his transformation of loser villainly, I believe, went, and then he becomes complete loser villain because he's hanging out with the trash guy, yeah, in Double Zeta, <laughs> and stealing, uh, Steve kidnapping pigs and roasting them, yeah, and eating, like chicken bones out of the dumpster and he stuff. Be- and he became Fred Sanford. Yeah, I, I don't even know if he became Fred Sanford. 
Oh man, but no, it, it, yeah, he he he, deg- he he degraded in the one in the double Zeta, but um, I think he knew what the the stakes were in Zeta when he was um when he was cool. <laughs> it's, and then, it's a sad it's a sad end for him, but um, I don't know if you have this one on your list, but getting out of like Gundam because you know Gundam's Gundam, but mm-hmm. what about what's his face in original Macross uh, Chiron? Oh, you mean Quamzen? Oh, Quamzen, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. Quamzen, yeah, Quamzen, whatever. Um, that think guy. about. The thing about him is his obsession is more with the Macross rather than a specific character. He's not obsessed. Yeah. He's not obsessed with Hikaru or Max. Yeah. So he's kind of a loserville in the sense that he's just so obsessed with destroying the Macross. And then at the end, even though he commits suicide, he still can't destroy the Ma- at least in Macross. <laughs> yeah, in Robotech, he succeeds because of the nonsense of the Robotech story. Ouch. But in Macross, it's like he rams into the freaking ship and only manages to blow up like a little bit of it and kill nobody except himself. And, what, and laps. And what about um, staying with Matt Cross, uh, the fat ball guy in Seven? But the, I forget that guy's name. The guy uh, that Gigio? Gigio. Yeah, he was kind of a loser villain too. Definitely a, a loser villain uh, in in one respect of being focused on somebody is uh, Glavel. Yeah, the, the furry guy. Yeah, because he keeps getting blown up with the exact same stock animation by Gamlin. <laughs> yes, <every> episode. <laughs> Pretty for much. like twenty episodes in a row, and then finally he gets the jump on Gamlin and, and nearly kills him one time. And then he gets uh, spiritually drained. Yeah, and then he gets stuck on uh, City Seven. Wow. for a while there too but <laughs> yeah he would definitely be loser villain and everything always because like the beauty of this the beauty of that it's like yeah how about the beauty of losing <laughs> <laughs> yeah this guy is like he sh- there there's a period there like the first like 15 episodes soul bro mm. he shows up in every episode good lord and it's just like you know he's got the upper hand they got the upper hand up oh, oh, they find him back <laughs> <laughs> like the beauty of revenge yeah i will be back perseverance yeah i've got animal animal spirit child <laughs> Nice. I've got a loser villain that's one of my favorites or one I love to hate. Delandau from The Vision of Escaflone. Oh, Delandau. That guy was he was guy persistent. slash girl. Yeah. Dude looks like yeah. a lady. Yeah. Dude looks <laughs> like a lady. <laughs> I, he was, he was, um, he was like, he was quite the arch villain, and or she was quite the you know, whatever. But um, they, that character was quite the arch villain, and he had his crew, and they could not succeed in taking out the Escaflon. The Dragon Slayers, is that what they were the called? Drag, yeah, yeah, I believe the so. Slayers. The the best episode where Delando just becomes unglued is when um Vaughn goes ape s on his whole team. I was oh, like, yeah. he's just taking people out. Delando, Delando's there pissing on himself, herself, and that is just the coolest episode. Well, it, it's the one time that you're like. Man, Van needs to really just needs to kick these guys in the teeth. And it's you like, oh bad. damn, he just did. You felt bad for Delando after that. It's like, man, he just yeah, he got, was like, he was like family. devastated, <laughs> <laughs> like killed all those guys that he used to abuse. Yeah, your whole family got murked, son. <laughs> what are you gonna do now? And um, I, he was just a colorful character, and he was very petty and very persistent on taking out the White Dragon, and he um. He didn't quite succeed. <laughs> Going back to uh, Loserville and, and uh, Gundam for a second, mm-hmm. uh, we got to talk about Mr. Surgeon himself with his white mask, Chronicle Asher, oh, <laughs> who no. claims that he wears a mask because the air is so dirty on Earth, but mm-hmm. he also wears the mask in space. Yeah. So I don't get what's up with that guy. Uh, but man, this guy was such a total rat. Just an <laughs> opportunist. Doesn't care at all about his sister or the fact that she's being used by all of these creepy old guys in Sanskare as their figurehead. Manipulates Katagina into becoming a psycho killer bitch, although she already had that seed in her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can't, uh, can't beat Uso worth yeah, He can't beat anything. I mean, no, he can't. Uh, Uso, Uso pretty much took him out in a, in a fan in a parachute. 
I mean, if you, if you really Duff think mobile about suit? <laughs> the the thing about all right, mm-hmm. let me put my two cents here. Go ahead on Chronicle Asher. Victory, very tough watch. Good show, tough watch because man, it's depressing. <laughs> but you sit there and it's like, for as depressing as it is, is and for all the little pedo stuff that you got with, you know, 13-year-old mobile suit pilot and all these kids and stuff, some of the characters are really good. There's some really good characters in there. But this guy is just a weasel. And, and I, hadn't, I haven't seen Victor in a while, but all I remember is the people from the Zanskar and from Bespa making fun of this guy, like in front of him, about him being just a weasel, a sorry pilot, always getting punked out by the by the victory mm. and they're like man you know like he's the queen's uh brother i don't care he still sucks oh terrible terrible guy and that's that's, that's one, one and he had one, one of the funniest deaths Ouch. ever falling seeing, out of the mobile suit and then conking his head as he's seeing his vision of his sister oh that was funny that's painful yeah well, well i guess that's i don't one. think it I don't know, the camera kept going, so I don't know if it. I don't know if it was that. <laughs> I just painful. love that part that the camera just keeps going. It just moves beyond him, like yeah. in one second. Like he didn't mean anything. He was just space debris. <laughs> yeah, That's horrible. Well, horrible. I, I have another one that is maybe borderline loser villain. Um, Ypsilon on Armored Trooper Votoms. Uh, mm. The thing about Ypsilon is he's a perfect soldier, and yeah. he's like his whole thing is that he's. By his nature, has to hate Shiriko. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Yeah, Especially yeah. because you know he's so madly in love with Fiana. So it's just it's literally in his genes. Yeah. He has to hate this guy. Yeah, a non Gundam guy. I don't know if you guys have have seen um, in Orgus this guy Roberto. I haven't seen Orgus at all. I've been wanting to though. Okay, this guy. There's also another loser villain, but his his name is so inconsequential. It's a pair of loser villains, but the main one is Roberto, who's this old guy. He's a loser. Oh, he pilots this mecha that basically is like a Zentradi Regolt. Nice, <laughs> and um, he is so single-mindedly obsessed with beating K and the Orgus, mm-hmm. which he just can't do because he sucks and his mecha sucks and he's a failure. And just the worst thing about this guy is at the very end when he dies, not at the end of the show, but at the end for him, he doesn't get killed by K. He gets killed by a lolly robot maid. Oh God! Really? Enough. Yes. Enough said. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> you see that and you're like, oh, man, this guy, what a freaking loser. Couldn't even get killed by the main character. He got killed by the lolly robot maid. That's irony for you. That is irony. <laughs> what about, um, in, uh, I don't know if Soul Bros is far, but in um, King Gainer? Uh, oh, there's a whole bunch of losers. Yeah, Basically, there's, there's everybody, whole, whole cast. everybody from the Siberian <laughs> Railway is a loser villain. But the, the guy that stands out the most to me is the guy that was voiced by the guy that was uh, Roroni Kenshin in you the, the dude, English dub. The dude from St. Reagan? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that guy got oh, so... Oh, Asuham. That guy got so punk. I mean, because all those guys are like that first that that first guy from the Siberian Railroad that yeah. shows up, the fire guy, and he's like, you know, oh, no, but, but, you know, he's the loser. You know, there's there's also those two guys, like those little, those two henchmen. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, Adele's a former henchman or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And and also that Indian girl. Mm-hmm. What's it? Jabali. Yeah. Yeah. It's like everybody on the Siberian Railway is a is a loser villain. That whole show <laughs> is loser villains. Oh yeah. 
which is cool. Which I think is hilarious. Yeah, it, it makes for it makes for the, it makes for the comedy. And, it, and it's be funny so because serious. even Adele's the loser villain, but yeah. she ends up saying, "You know what? I've I've had enough being the loser villain." Yeah, she's. I'm just gonna sides. I'm just gonna switch sides. Yeah, but like homie, and, and then um, also that guy who like gives up and then just goes off into the wilderness with like some little girl. Yeah. <laughs> which I thought was cool that he that he just he said you know f it I'm I'm done. I suck so bad. I'm just gonna quit everything. <laughs> it, the, the, the the show had a cool vibe even with the enemy. Is no. It was a great show. It's just like <laughs> that that one guy from St. Reagan, though. I mean, he just stood out for me so much because he's, you, you know, because it's towards the end and, you know, they're finding the secrets of the Overman and mm-hmm. all this crap. And it's like, which is which is funny because he's skilled. Like when you see oh, the episode when he's yeah. fighting Gain and they're like they're having that fist fight in the train compartment, that yeah. guy's not to be effed with. And then, you well, know, he just de- he just slowly degrades he, in the he, garbage. He's the proto Graham Aker. <laughs> He's, you know, he's got skills. It's just unfortunately he doesn't have enough skills and needs better weaponry. Run a bad look, man. Yeah. So uh, another loser villain of note, uh, Isaac Jewell. Oh, (laughs) no. One of the cooler ones, though. This guy. He was a piece of work. He was. For most of Seed. (laughs) And I like, well, I think it was one of the best things is how um, when he goes down to Earth and he meets Andy and Andy's looking at him, he's like, Hmm. Someone who has a scar on their face that they can easily remove shows like it, it, it's. It seems to say that they have something they need to prove. And he's yeah. like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he. It's cool because he. He always reminds me of um, another loser villain from a non mecha series. I always call Isaac the Vegeta of Gundam because he is. He's he, yeah, kind he, of. He is truly the. He is truly the Vegeta because he gets he's over such it. a dick at the mm-hmm. beginning. Mm-hmm. But then, as as C progresses, and we'll go with the television show here, we'll, we'll go with special edition, and we'll sit there, and you know, he's such a dick. Nico gets killed. Both of the other guys, Diarca and Atherin, within his squad, they defect. He gets promoted to like lead all these kids, and he's been trying to fight. He's trying to beat the strike for so long, and then he finally ends up getting a gun, two Gundam kills, and you're like, you, you felt good for him because. Not only did he get two Gundam kills, but he also made it, you know, he made, he lived. Yeah. <laughs> because he, he made he made that leap and stopped being just a small-minded dick. Yeah. I guess he he kind of realized if he can't beat him, join, join him. Join him exactly. It's it's so sad when when like uh, he tries to take on the freedom when it first appears at Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> And he just gets taken care of like like he's nothing. And mind you, the duel was just a joke even when the strike was fighting. Like he'd always Damn. get an arm or a leg cut off or he'd get tossed aside or something. But th- it's like the freedom just makes it even more of a joke. And he it's so a- funny because Kira could have put him out of his misery. And at the last second, he's just like, when he when he shows up in the freedom, he's just like, you know what? I'm just going to cut his legs off. <laughs> and, and kick him into the water. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he had a huge disadvantage. Thanks to, I don't think he had, what, he had like a handgun? No, the, the duel. Some, maybe some Vulcans. Well, the, the, the duel was just basically a low-powered strike. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and you know, it got low rent strike. It was low rent strike, <laughs> and then it got the uh, it got the Alex armor yeah. later on. But it, it just felt bad for him because you know he's he he was he, once again he he was like the Vegeta because he was always trying to prove something. Yeah, because he came from you know his he mom came, was came. on the. Um, wasn't she? She was on the council, so he he's always trying blood. to prove something. Mm-hmm. And he always had, you know, if he was Vegeta, then Atherin was Kakarot uh, all day long. It- <laughs> <laughs> 
but then uh, unfortunately he shows up later on in Destiny. You like him because it's yeah. it's the Laurel Hardy show with him and Diarca. He's one of the coolest factors but of the show. It, we, but then he hardly cute. gets to show up and actually do anything. You know? So speaking of Destiny, I'm tell me I, this 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 might be controversial since this obviously the show is especially whenever we talk about it. Yeah. After episode thirty four, is Shin the loser villain? Most definitely. <laughs> well, I would say so because he had a few victories. But he no, not after episode thirty-four. That's why I said specifically because oh. that's when he killed Freedom. That's when he killed Freedom. And when did he after, take out? After he killed Freedom, he became a retard. Yeah. When, did, when did he take out Atherin? Like, was that before or after or when he took out Freedom? He never took out Atherin. Well, when Atherin well, was he escaping, took out, he took out that yeah. goof. But that, oh, that the, was yeah. After. But that doesn't. But he had, he but had that's, the destiny. And that's grunt he, he suit. Missed, yeah. He missed yet again and and hit the side of the cockpit rather than the actual cockpit. Exactly. <laughs> that doesn't really count. Because it's funny about Destiny at the beginning before episode thirty-four, the loser villains were actually actually three people it was the three extendeds yeah because they were all the loser villain (laughs) and then you know they all get ceremoniously killed but then sting comes back to be even more of a loser to then get killed again which makes it which makes it funny because he was killed by grunts initially and it's like i'm sorry he was killed by grunts (laughs) yes terrible (laughs) and then he came back to die as a grunt in a grunt psycho Gundam. That sucks. Uh. <laughs> but it's funny how it with Shin, it's like this is the only time that you ever see like a main character upgrade to a new powerful Gundam and become worse of a pilot. Yeah. Because <laughs> Kira just became lazy with the freedom. Kira has skills, but he never uses them because he's always just using the abilities of the freedom and the strike freedom. Mm-hmm. But Shin actually demonstrably became a worse pilot after he got Destiny. I mean, the, the, the way they were able to defeat Kira was the fact that he got so predictable on what he would do. He would come at you and then beam saber the legs or something. And it was just like, then that's how they beat him. And yeah, I would say he was the loser villain of uh, Destiny. How about- we got to jump back to, uh, I think, a little bit in Gundam <coughs> Pass uh, mm-hmm. for a uh, underrated loser villain, uh, Turn A Gundam, Swole IG. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say Swetson. I- <laughs> well, him too, but let's let's do her first. because At least she was sympath- you were sympathetic to her. I mean, kind she- of, later on. Yeah, she, was- she saw the light. She was yeah. kind of in the, the Galeria type of thing where she was trying she was. to mm-hmm. she was trying to prove that a woman could do what the men could do because for whatever reason even though it was in the way way in the future and they had such a strong leader like Diana mm-hmm. women were like still look, looked upon I don't think poorly. it was women were looked down upon I think it was just her in part because she was such a crybaby she was a crybaby <laughs> and and Phil's always telling her like shut up stop crying so damn much that is true that is true awesome and Swetson yeah he was just the fat annoying uh, loser if, going, if, and you, and you was, love to see when he got um when he got killed, which hurts me, especially the fact that he got killed by Jim, <laughs> <laughs> the guy that he was so blindly followed, <laughs> which made it uber funny. I have one that um I guess is not a Gundam based one, um Bet Gold from um from from uh from the big O. Yeah. Yeah, he was the loser villain. He I like was Beck. a loser villain. He but you, you really like Beck though. Yeah, you did like Beck. He was a he was a stylish likable dude, but he just he was a petty guy. He was he was kind of like Lupin, but <laughs> but, but a villain. <laughs> but um yeah, Beck, uh I I I just had to throw his name in the hat. But um, then unfortunately second season of Big O came. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he was still cool in that too. So. Well, yeah, but but, uh, Any other uh, loser villains, Chris? Oh, I, I got I got a hell of a of a freaking loser villain right here. Oh man, a whale! Uh, where is this guy? What show is it? Empty guys. Dragonaut. Oh. 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 Okay, this guy Kazuki. There's this guy Kazuki. 
he and mind you, I've not seen the entire show, but I've seen his antics in later parts of the show. Mm-hmm. He's like the best friend of the main character, Jin. They get separated. They meet up later, and um, you know he gets pissed that this guy Jin steals like the dragon that's supposed to be Kazuki. So he becomes <laughs> like single-mindedly obsessed with Jin to the point of like like just wangsting like laughably bad to the point that later on he gets a scar on his forehead and then puts an eye patch over the scar. <laughs> That's awesome. It looks like a moron. <laughs> Enough said. That's frivolous. <laughs> and then later at the very end, uh, switches sides and they become friends again. Like, oh, no. What about, uh, what about Dragonar? The, um, I was going to ask What you the guys. heck were the... Um... Those three fancy boys? <laughs> 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 Those guys and the... Um... Oh God, the 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 messy dudes. I'm trying to. Oh, uh, the goon gym people. The goon gym people, yeah. Because that was an example of like two separate type of uh, loser villains. I just got a kick out of those three fancy guys, though. Those guys were hilarious. The, 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 at the end, like one of them like sacrificed himself. And the funniest part about it is when when they they were fighting that one time, and they're like, "You're not fighting fair." <laughs> And, and those guys are like, wait a second, we're in war, it's not fair. <laughs> Anything else of um, losing tree villainry? There's a million of them, really, but gosh. Oh, oh, uh, Code Geass. Oh, no. <laughs> Orange. Orange at first. Orange, man. Orange Coon. <laughs> and then replaced later by Shinke. Mysterious. Orange. And that guy was like, that guy was the quintessential loser villain. He was, he was the. Scam. And you know what's funny? He reveled in it too. <laughs> like, <laughs> he did because once he got demoted and everybody started calling him Orange, like he he just reveled in the fact that you know he just kept getting punked and punked all the time. Orange. And then he got microwaved. He got microwaved, and Retarded. then he became cool. And then Shinke, Shinke uh, replaced him as uh, mystery cough up loser villain. I will, I will say though, his turnabout though when he when he became Lelouch's aide was one of the coolest turnabouts from any character in that show. I'd have to say he just became that right hand dependable guy. He just made a one eighty, and um, he was he was he was a badass. He became one. And I, well, I it's funny because he was he was more for the cause. Yeah. And you know he, it, you know, it, and and it made sense, especially with him switching sides, because sometimes they switch sides for the loser villains. It's just because they get kind of cast off. Yeah. Well, this guy, you know, he got cast off, but he actually did see the the evil that was being done. Well, he was by in- Britannia. He was even intended to die, and I guess because of popular fan um. Had the, the Andy Walfeld resurrection? Yeah, exactly. He got kept alive, <laughs> and then he just he just got put on a story arc, that which made him ultimately cool. The and next week, the 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 top ten characters at New Type came out in New Type Japan. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, sh- oh sh- better keep this guy alive. <laughs> and, and now he's the chairman of Minute Maid. Nice, nice. <laughs> and um, unless you guys have any others, I think we could probably close off with probably the most hot blooded loser villain ever. Oh man, hit us up, viral. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right on, dude. Because <laughs> even though he just keeps losing and losing and losing and losing and losing, mm-hmm. he's so freaking hot-blooded yeah. and awesome. Yeah. And he has, like, an amazing theme song. It's like, you don't care that he keeps losing. Yes, exactly. And Every and, appearance he makes is And the, and the is, funny is thing awesome. about him is he was just really stuck in the worst mecha. <laughs> because I, th- I think if you gave, gave him an upgrade or anything, 
He would he would have done better. I guess the the forearms didn't work. <laughs> I oh guess. yeah, they definitely didn't work. Well, lesser man would have been completely wasted, like having oh, yeah. to do the show. But he got given a gift like halfway through that made him it really made him cool, or even cooler. He just he developed into another cool character. There's another another reformed loser villain become you know cool supporting character, and then well he and and he was the replacement for. The hot bloodedness, because yeah. you know, didn't spoiler alert, Communist dies. Oh, you terrible man! Just like Lelouch died. Way to go, Neil! But uh, <laughs> wasn't he voiced by the same voice actor as Domo? No, uh, he is voiced by um, Nobuki Hiyama, who did. Uh, he's guy. guy Shish- yeah, he's guy thank Shishio. You. Thank you, thank you. But they're both very hot blooded guys, so it's easy why you would make that mistake. But no. <laughs> So yes, he sort of was the hot blooded replacement for Communist, since he became Gurren's pilot mm-hmm. yeah. at the end of the show. Pretty did much. It, even though he had no spiral power. No spiral at all. Because he's a soulless, what was clone or whatever, replicant. Because he's a beast man. Beast man, yeah. And now Highlander. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so um, I'm sure we've missed some loser villains here and there from Mecha and non-Mecha, but uh, you know we can't go over every single one so if you have any suggestions of uh, notable loser villains of your own please uh, post them in the thread once you hear the episode so um, with that that'll wrap up this segment and we'll be right back you're listening to Gundam at MAHQ I know you, and I know when you got something brewing. I know it. What I got brewing? You what I got it? brewing, right? You tell me. You done lost your dumb damn mind. Dumb damn it, Bob. I'm about to reach over there and tear you a new Don't be a jackass. I'm with you, Sis. Bob. We talked this out. I don't see a need for that kind of language. Now, if you yeah. want to go outside right now, I'll no. take both of uh, you. We're going to vote, right Alan. We're not going to fight. We're going to oh. vote. Let's vote. I... Let's vote, and then we'll fight. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. Uh, we're rounding out episode 35, where we spoke about the anime spotlight on Our Battler Dunbine. In addition, we waxed about our favorite loser villains in many mecha series. And Neo, any last things to say? Stay thirsty, my friends. <laughs> we also say goodbye and for Chris as well. Um, he had a little difficulty during the recording. Um, thanks, thanks. Zeon is attacking South Florida. Yeah, apparently so. So, their brain. <laughs> So there's like uh, Minoski particle density is at battle density down there. So it's like it's really bad. At least he at least he made it through ninety percent. I hope he survives. He'll be all right. He's a tough one. That 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 Chris. But um, <laughs> check the websites, mahq.net. That's where it all happens. Gundam.net, where you can catch li- episodes of the show. Also, you can find us on iTunes, Zune, Facebook, MySpace. And also keep up with MAHQ at Twitter by going to twitter.com slash MAHQ, D-O-T-N-E-T. And last but not least, you can reach us by email by sending us messages to gundammahq at gmail.com. That's it for episode 35. We'll catch you guys later. See, nothing to it. With a little more practice, you'll get better. Then you'll start winning. Oh, what? That girl sitting at that game. So, what about her? Isn't she incredible? I have been seeing her everywhere. Well, she is sort of attractive. Maybe I can get her in a game with me. Excuse me, would you be interested in playing me a game? From what I see of your winnings, I think we'd be equally matched, don't you? 
Are you willing to bet all that? Yes, I am. This is absolutely terrific. I know we're going to have a great game. How about if we start with level B? Uh, is that all right with you? Fine. All right, here we go. Gundam at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in the MHQ production. Breaking your back, pounding, super strong, super, super strong. Now that's the strength of Billy Mays Guarantee. Super strong, super, super strong. With the flick of a switch. But it gets even better. So stop getting out of bed every night. Just pee in the closet. With confidence. Just pee in the closet. It's that easy. And we'll send you the world's most powerful weed. And we'll send you the weed with lightning speed. Just select a bit, then lock and load. Pull the trigger. And lock and load. So you'll never have trouble claiming what's yours. Now that's the strength of Billy Mays Guaranteed.